0: If I haven't had a chance to meet you my name is justin clement and i serve as a teaching elder in our presbytery and i specifically work with our national campus ministry called reform university fellowship i'd love to introduce myself after the service jared thank you for inviting me to come and open god's word this morning um, one of the benefits that i found in living in a college town here in athens is uh, we love college sports as a family and even though the Georgia basketball team is not what you call very good, um, my family and I really enjoy following them. And if, if any of you have watched any games this year, you'll recognize it looks like one player out there on Georgia's team doesn't quite fit. <coughs> Amongst these massive 6'7", 6, 6'10", 6, walking trees, there's this really, really, really short guy named Severe Wheeler. And you look at him and you think to yourself, how is this guy going to play basketball? I think in the program it says he is uh, five foot nine. I think that's generous. <laughs> and But as soon as you see him on the court, you realize that often powerful things come in small packages. In the passage that Ashley just read, it's just a brief set of verses. So brief, so tucked in amongst this massive uh, powerful passage in Luke 10 that talks about disciples trampling on scorpions and performing all these massive New York Times type miracles, it would be easy for us to miss this beautiful passage. And I want us to see that indeed here tucked away in this passage is a beautiful picture of what it's like for us to abide and enjoy being with Jesus. So let me ask for God's help as we begin our time this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I do thank you so much for Luke chapter 10 and the encouragement that it has been to my soul. Lord, I pray that my friends here um, would really see this beautiful picture, not only of this woman, Mary, but also Jesus, the one who is truly patient and loving and moves toward Mary's and Martha's. Uh, Lord, we need to hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder how many of you have a friend who makes things look really easy. Maybe you have a friend who's a scratch golfer. Maybe you have a friend who's an artist, and she can just paint these amazing landscapes. Or maybe it's someone who plays tennis, Jared, um, who it looks like they're effortless, like they're not even trying out there. And you're just kind of blown away. I have a friend like that. His name is Stephen. And um, I've just started getting into fly fishing. And Stephen took me fly fishing. And he said, I just want you to do exactly what I do. And he flicked his line out there in the water. And he made it look so easy. And after seven or eight times of getting my line out of the, the tall grass behind me and getting it hung up in the limbs, I finally was able to get the line in the water where it needed to be. And Stephen's like, I'm going to leave you here and I'm going to go, you know, a little bit up the river and I'm going to check on you in a little bit. And I mean, over and over again, I'm just casting my line in the same spot, doing exactly what Stephen told me to do. Finally, after 15 minutes, Stephen comes back to check on me. He's like, well, where, where are the fish? I'm sure you pulled some in by now. I said, no. I said, I'm doing the same thing over and over again. He runs over toward me, puts his hands on his head. And he says, Justin, they are all over you. Do you see them? They're right under your nose. And sure enough, these fish are bumping into my line. They're bumping into my fly. But I did not have the eyes to see what was happening right underneath my nose. Stephen had the ability, the skill, the experience, the wisdom to see what I could not see. I feel like it's possible for those of us that follow Christ to miss the things that are right under our nose we can think that we see our lives and that we see God and we see our family so clearly and yet I think we miss those things right under our nose this is why God has given Luke chapter 10 for us this morning to see those things and could we be seeing our life and yet missing so much See, in this passage, I think that what we're going to see is Jesus, in all his love and his patience, moves toward people that are missing things, that are right under our our nose. So I want us to look at Luke chapter 10, and I want us to look at the picture of abiding and enjoying Jesus. That's the picture. So I've got three points. First, I I want us to look at the picture of abiding. I want us to look at the problem of abiding. And then thirdly, I want you to look at the proclamation. But first, let's look at this picture. What is the picture of abiding in Jesus that we see? Look at verse 39. And Martha, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to Jesus's teaching. The picture of abiding in Jesus is Mary's enjoyment. Don't miss these details. Jesus and his disciples have been traveling. Jesus was a a traveling preacher and rabbi. He was walking with his 12 disciples everywhere he went. He was beginning to to gain quite a following. So when he would walk into a village, people would walk with him and follow him and want to know where he's going to speak next. And in this particular situation, the, the town is Bethany. And so imagine the scene. Jesus walks to this house where two single women live, Mary and Martha, in the town of Bethany. And Jesus begins to teach. The picture would be something like this. There's 11 disciples that are there watching Jesus. Undoubtedly, there would be men and people from the city that are also crowding in to listen. And here you have a single woman, Mary, who is sitting at Jesus's feet. Those would have been shocking, provocative details that Mary is willing to sit And to listen. That's the picture of abiding. First, I want you to notice that she's sitting. Um, She's sitting not because there wasn't necessarily a place to sit or they ran out of chairs or something like that. That phrase sitting actually carries a lot of weight to it. It's the same phrase in Acts chapter 22 that that Luke uses to describe Paul training at the feet of Gamaliel. In verse 3, Paul, speaking of himself, says this, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers. Can you imagine how the other disciples might have been imagining this? Jesus, you're letting this woman sit at your feet like a full-fledged disciple? You or her rabbi? You have to understand, friends, that in the ancient Near East, women were actually forbidden from studying the Torah. Now, the Bible doesn't teach that, but there was a common uh, oral tradition that was passed around that, that are an interpretation of the Old Testament. It's called the Mishnah. It's a series of phrases. Listen to one of the phrases. This is not the Bible. This is the oral phrases. May the words of the Torah be burned. They should not be handed over to women. That is shocking. That is alarming for us to hear in 2021. So can you imagine the, the sense of passion and love that Mary has for Jesus, that she's not really worried about what the culture thinks about her or what society thinks about her or, or you know, cultural taboos. She wants to be with Jesus, and she's willing to absorb the costs of that. And Jesus welcomes her to come and to sit at her rabbi's feet. Jesus is not afraid to push against the popular culture Of his day as he encourages all of his disciples to come and humbly submit and receive from him. So the picture of abiding is that this woman is sitting as a disciple, receiving, but also she's listening, right? Hanging on to every word, wanting to receive from him, to be with him, not speaking, but soaking up his word, watching his mannerisms, every eye twitch. Surrendering, letting go of all the things that she's holding into her hands, her expectations, her life, and willing to receive and soak up like a sponge. Hearing is more than just simply taking in data. It's reception. It's hunger. It's savoring. It's holding on to every eye twitch and voice inflection and hanging on to every word. Sitting and listening. Do you see the picture of Mary's enjoyment as she's just simply sitting and receiving and enjoying being with the one that she loves? Confidently sitting at her master's feet, no matter the opinion of others, sitting in the presence of greatness with a listening ear. It's a beautiful picture. How might that look for us to sit and to listen today where Jesus is not physically here in 2021. He's already ascended to the Father and is, is even interceding for us. But what does that look like now for us to sit and to listen? I've just got a couple of ideas. One is we have to slow down. Um, it takes a lot of intentionality, if you're at all like me, to actually pull away from people and devices and responsibilities And just slow down and figure out what is going on inside of me? What am I feeling? What am I thinking about? Am I just simply reacting to all the needs in every email and every phone call and every text and every need of a child or a spouse or a roommate? Or am I able to be reflective and to sit and to slow down? But I think sitting and and listening also not only is slowing down, it also is, is savoring the word. Taking the time to actually look at a psalm like Psalm 16 that Ashley read earlier and to just not have any agenda, but just to soak and marinate on each word and to slow down and enjoy. And then I think sitting and listening must involve submission. The posture of every single Christian, man, woman, and child is submission. Complete surrender of all of our life, all of our future, all of our past, to say, I will follow you, Rabbi, no matter what it costs me, no matter where you go, because I would rather be with you than anything in the world, any comfort in the world, any comfort, any control, anything to be with you. So those are just a couple of ideas about sitting and listening. But I'll be very honest with you. I wrote those down. But that is very, very, very hard for me. I love that beautiful picture of abiding that we see, but there's a problem. I struggle with this. And I bet you're like me. You struggle too. You want to be like that. You want to be able to just defy the cultural norms and follow Jesus no matter what it costs you. And yet there's a problem. What do we see here in this passage? Look at verse 40. Remember, there's two sisters. There's Mary and Martha. In verse 40, God's word says this. But Martha, the other sister, was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, I'm going to get to the rest of that in just a second. But Martha was distracted with much serving. I think oftentimes in a sermon that I've heard before, now is the time that we typically throw Martha under the bus. Like, I can't believe Martha did this. And I don't think that's appropriate. Because Martha is the one that actually welcomed Jesus into her home first. She was the one that came to the door. And wanted to welcome and get to know and follow him. In verse 38, she desired to be a disciple too. Her instincts were good, but she was... God's word says distracted. What is the problem? What gets in the way of abiding? Being distracted with much serving as a disciple. What is the problem? Being distracted with much serving. Martha was busy doing wonderful things for Jesus, but she missed the core priority of simply being with Jesus, and this is a trap for me as well, where have you tended to be distracted with much serving for Jesus at the expense of simply being with Jesus? Why is that so elusive for us? One of my mentors told uh, Elizabeth and I once that the most powerful preposition in the Bible is the word with. Emmanuel is God with us. And I think it's so easy for, to forget that God is dead set on being with us first and foremost. Can you see Martha? Can you close your eyes and imagine Martha in her house? Perhaps she's flying around the kitchen, cooking food, polishing the silver, pouring out the wine, making sure that everything is absolutely perfect for him. But yet Martha is still described as distracted with much serving. Can you hear the desperation perhaps in Martha's voice in verse 40? Did you catch catch this? Lord, do you not care? Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. I don't, I, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I don't think it's a good idea to tell Jesus what to do, though. Martha tells Jesus. You tell him, you tell her to get up and to help. Jesus, do you not care that we are perishing in this storm? Jesus, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve? It's the exact same phrase. The same desperation of a distracted disciple. Can you hear the heart of an orphan in Martha's voice? I am alone. I'm the only one pulling the weight around here. I'm the only one trying. Do you not care? I have to watch my back because no one else will protect me. Can you see Martha's tightened lip as she tells Jesus to make Mary help her? This conversation honestly lands a little too close to home for me most days. Where does this land for you? Whether you're a 60-year-old, whether you're a 40-year-old, whether you're a 30-year-old, whether you're a 10-year-old, how does this land for you? There's a problem that we see. Jesus, look how hard I'm working for you. I want to make everything perfect for you. Why am I the only one pulling my weight in this family? Why am I the only one putting the time in at this church? Why am I the only one committed and working things out in this marriage? Don't you see how hard I'm working for you? Don't you see that all this is for you? All these sacrifices? Do you notice what Martha could not do? Sit and simply listen. That wily thief of busyness will distract us from Jesus just like it distracted Martha. Why is this so hard for us? There was a man by the name of Blaise Pascal that lived in 1670. So this is a long time ago. Kids, this is before America was even invented. And listen to what he said. This is before television. This is before the Internet. This is before smartphones. This is prophetic, friends, with a lowercase p, of course. All of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Do you hear how profound that is? We don't know how to slow down. We don't know how to stop. Sitting is so hard. Busyness is instinctive. I may have to slow down long enough to actually feel the loneliness and the anguish and the struggles in my own heart. It's a lot easier to cover that over with serving in a family, serving in a church, serving in a small group. And it's hard to slow down. And like Martha, we have a heart problem. But this is not where our passage ends. It doesn't just end with a picture and a problem. It ends with a proclamation. I want you to to notice this amazing news. Verse 41, the Lord answers Martha. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Time out. Stop right there. Even in the face of Martha telling Jesus, the Son of God, what He needs to be doing, Jesus moves toward Martha and says, Martha, Martha. Does it sound familiar? Abraham, Abraham, Jacob, Jacob, Samuel, Samuel, Absalom, Absalom, Moses, Moses, Peter, Peter, and now Martha, Martha. These repeated names are a Hebrew expression of intimacy, connection, withness, and love. He moves toward her in relationship and love and care and compassion Can you see Jesus' smile and hear His tenderness when He says, Martha, Martha? And she must have felt so silly. But He doesn't crush her like a fly. Can you see Jesus' smile and hear His tenderness toward you this morning as well? Justin, Justin, Jared, Jared, Katie, Katie, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, that same tenderness is toward us this morning as well. In the midst of our busyness, in the midst of our distractedness. Because I care about you, because I love you, you must also hear the rest of verse 41. You are troubled and anxious about many things, Martha. One thing is necessary, one thing, and Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Serving Jesus with our talents is a wonderful thing. Leading a small group is a wonderful thing. Leading in worship is a wonderful thing. Setting up chairs is wonderful. Tithing to your church is wonderful. Serving as an officer is a wonderful thing. But one thing is necessary, friends. The good portion of being with Jesus. We must never replace being with Jesus with working for Jesus. Mary chose the good portion that is mentioned in places like Psalm 16.5. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. Psalm 73.26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In Psalm 142.5. I cry to you, O Lord. You are my refuge my portion in the land of the living. So many things are good, but Jesus tells His disciples and His disciples in 2021 that only one thing is necessary, receiving God's Word like a fine wine, like water in a desert, like rich food at a feast. We receive from Him first. He's the one that serves us. He's the one that pours the cup. He's the one that prepares the feast. He moves toward us with patience. Do you see that he's moving toward you this morning with that same patience that he moved toward Martha? I hope that you see that. How can Jesus this morning continue to be patient with me as a pastor day after day after day when I get so distracted by serving And so focused on my sermon prep that I'm being impatient with my wife and my kids. How can Jesus continue to be so patient with us? We actually get a clue in the very next verse in chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. Just as Mary is enjoying and being with the one that she loves, we find Jesus going and spending time with the one that he loves too. Jesus has always been with his Father. He's always been in perfect communion and connection with his Father in his earthly mission to seek and save the Marys and the Marthas. Jesus needed the communion of his Heavenly Father in prayer. As a son, Jesus fully submitted to his Father. He listened without wavering. No matter what it cost him, he submitted the mission that the Father had given to Him, and they were in perfect communion for all of eternity and during Jesus' earthly ministry. But you know, there was one day, one day as Jesus called out to His Father as He had always done for all of eternity, at His time of greatest need and the desperation of the cross at Calvary, He called out with that Hebrew intimacy, my God, my God. And whereas he had always heard a response at this particular time when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was met with silence. Why were Jesus' cries of desperation and longing met with silence? The silence was there so that every single one of our cries would always be heard by our Heavenly Father. The ones that we utter under our breath, the feelings that we have, the needs that we have. Jesus was met with silence so that we would always be heard. Why would the Father not rise to His feet? As he heard his own son cry out, my God, my God, so that your father in heaven would always rise to his feet for all of our cries of suffering and loneliness and pain and struggle. Our father is continually patient with his disciples even today and gracious toward us because Jesus was the only one who was truly faithful. Jesus was willingly cut off on the cross of Calvary and Jesus called out and His Father did not respond for us. Willingly. This would be the only way for us to receive that abiding communion with the triune God for all of eternity. He willingly did it because He knows that our busy, distracted hearts that frankly much prefer Productivity and task lists than relationship. He did it because he willingly realizes that, our, that he experienced our alienation so that we might receive relationship with him forever. He did this because he loves us. And it's only because of those perfect prayers of Jesus, because of Jesus paying our penalty at the cross, that our Father will always receive back Martha's every single day, just like this morning. Two quick comments, and I'm going to land the plane. For my friends here this morning who are not yet Christians, can I invite you to ponder and to really imagine this beautiful picture of abiding, of this woman who is willing to forsake all, to sit with the one that she loves, no matter what it costs her. Even if you don't believe the scriptures, even if you don't even, you're not even convinced that Jesus is God, can I just invite you to ponder that? Sit on that. Maybe even get together with Katie or Jared and ask questions, but just invite you to imagine. Sit in that. Ponder for a moment. My friends here who are believers, you are disciples of Jesus. You're like, Justin, I have taken Jesus' lighter yoke. I want to follow him. I want to submit my finances, my body, my future, my past to him. I love him. But it is so hard. I get distracted. Can I invite you to look and imagine and sit and savor the patience of Jesus moving towards you? It's really his patience and His intimacy, and Him repeating your name that will melt your heart to continue to follow Him in obedience and submission. For my Martha Christians, can we sit and listen and receive? That's an invitation. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank You for the Word of God. Thank You for Luke chapter 10. Thank you for encouraging my heart even again this morning. Lord, I pray that we would give to you all of the areas that we might be distracted by much serving. And that we might enjoy and choose the most important thing, which is sitting and savoring and receiving from you first. Lord, that might feel like um, an act of Congress or moving heaven and earth for many of us. It's so hard to slow down. But Lord, Holy Spirit, we believe that you are living inside the heart of every single believer. So what I pray that my friends would depend on him to change us, to grow us, to make us men and women that seek to be a blessing to this community and beyond. In Jesus name. Amen.